to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a show that explores the intersection of security, technology, and humans. I spend 5 to 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts, which I then turn into a concise 15 to 30-minute summary and analysis. There's a summary episode every week, as well as standalone episodes that are either me sharing an idea on a topic or discussing one with a guest. The goal is twofold, to keep you up to date on the absolute latest in security and technology, and to explore ideas that hopefully give you something to think about. All right, welcome to episode 233. Starting off security news. There's an extremely nasty SMB vulnerability that was just patched in Microsoft's Patch Tuesday, which basically works like PS exec for attackers. Definitely want to get your 445 off the internet if you can. And high fives to all the pen testers in the mines out there working. It's funny, we've been saying for a decade that pen testing would be near impossible before too long, or at least a lot of the pen testers that I know have been saying that. Like it just keeps getting harder, it keeps getting harder. But more vulns just keep coming out. And of course, the endpoint stuff gets better and better, but there's always new vulns and the industry continues to be lucrative. A group of Republicans, which is called the Republican Study Committee in Congress, is taking action to highlight and restrict China's various influence operations within the U.S. This is part of a well-known propaganda arm of the Chinese government that basically tries to make China look better in the minds of people outside of China. And Republican small group is going after it. A private company with Hawkeye cameras strapped to Cessnas was hired by the Baltimore Police Department to fly over and monitor Baltimore. And the ACLU is suing them over it. This also ties to another story where a guy used a simple SDR to log aircraft beacons and call signs and actually found an FBI surveillance plane near L.A. Yeah, and between, I mean, the planes flying overhead, the cameras being everywhere, we really do seem to be becoming a surveillance state. And I truly believe it's possible to do that well, you know, to actually improve safety and for the right reasons and, you know, like with transparency and the full endorsement of the people. But that is not what we're doing. We are doing kind of the exact opposite in a very dystopian way. Analysis of hospital traffic using satellite imagery and Baidu search engine traffic indicate that Wuhan in China was already facing a significant outbreak in late summer and early fall of 2019. So first we thought, okay, this this happened in March. Then we're like, oh, it looks like it might have been February. Then we're like, oh, China had cases in January. And then someone started talking about December. Well, now we're talking about maybe August. So this thing has been around for a while. IBM said they're getting out of facial recognition for ethical reasons, but I and a lot of others see this kind of like BlackBerry getting out of the AI business. Like they weren't in the AI business, so it's not cool to say you're getting out. There are actually a lot of these announcements but they all smelled really strongly of PR, in my opinion. Amazon paused selling recognition to police departments for a year. 
There's also a bill in Congress to limit the use of facial recognition. I mean, I think there's a lot of good that will come from this. At least the slowdown and thinking will be good, but I think a lot of this is PR as well. Britain gave Palantir sensitive access to NHS data as part of their one billion pound deal. And a lot of people are worried when you give that much sensitive data to Palantir. And I think for good reason. It's possible to identify individuals now by looking at their heartbeat data. And that's again flared up the conversation around biometrics and the danger that they pose. I talked about this a lot back in 2017. Basically, the risk that a lot of people are worried about is that this biometric data will be in a giant database, it will be stolen, and then people could perpetually be you forever. But a number of steps in many biometric authentication workflows make the systems resistant to this type of steal once, use forever attacks. First of all, it's usually hashes that are stored, not high-res images of the source data. Second, devices that take the readings can be improved as attacks improve. And the next thing, I mean, in the future, it's likely to be a massive combination of readings that will be used simultaneously to identify someone, not like a single factor. So it will be much harder to trick all those at the same time. And finally, all systems can evolve based on what we know has been stolen or copied or just doesn't work anymore. So if everyone's biometrics were perfectly stolen, replicated, we would simply stop using them. I think there are definitely valid concerns with biometrics being used for authentication, as with any auth system. And we should be thoughtful as this inevitable switch over to biometrics is made, but it's not the Pandora's box that people think it is. There will be threats and we will adjust to them. The New York Times had their R&D department build a prototype blockchain system for combating misinformation. So the system basically allows people to see the history of something that was shared. And as it was passed around to different groups and different metadata were added, it's a pretty interesting system. I think it's just uh, kind of an alpha because it's coming out of R&D, but still interesting. Twitter is testing out a feature that will prompt you if you try to retweet something without reading it. China is spending $1.4 trillion over the next five years to develop 5G, AI, and data centers. And this includes plans to build 600,000 new 5G towers by the end of 2020. 600,000. I think the US, the article said, was slated to do like 10,000. And China is doing 600,000 by the end of 2020. Who knows if those are old numbers and will be affected by the pandemic. A number of city blocks in Seattle are now autonomous, meaning that Seattle itself is not claiming authority there. No police are going there. And protesters have designated the area as owned by the people. Will be interesting to see how long this lasts. Twitter has removed over 170,000 accounts associated with the Chinese state-linked media campaigns around COVID-19, the Hong Kong protests, and George Floyd. 
It's 170,000 accounts removed by Twitter. And spies can now eavesdrop by watching the vibrations of a light bulb in a room. And before you ask, yes, it is research from Israel and, in fact, Ben-Gurion University. Putin just said in an interview that the U.S. is in deep internal crisis due to the U.S.'s inability to accept our president as being legitimate. I think this is nicely played as a KGB agent, and I honestly can't wait to read in 10 or 20 years what was really happening in the current moment with regard to Russia and the U.S. and all the intelligence agencies. I mean, this is seriously going to be the best spy story ever written. Vulnerabilities. There's an extremely critical SMB vulnerability. I already talked about it. That basically works like PS exec. This is trivial RCE over 445. So definitely patch and or get 445 protected. Microsoft's Patch Tuesday had 129 CVEs of which that SMB B vulnerability was one of them. IBM WebSphere has two critical issues. There's a new vulnerability in UPnP. Definitely want to disable that on your internet-facing side, on your IoT stuff, if you can. 23 issues in SAP with two of those being critical. And Adobe has updates to Flash, Experience Manager, and FrameMaker. Breaches. Nintendo says another... 140,000 accounts may have been accessed in its recently announced breach. Babylon Health leaked their video health consultations. And in companies, Palantir is set to IPO soon. Someone is going to make a lot of money. Many people are going to make a lot of money off of that. Technology news. Facebook has an AI-based system, which is really cool. It's called Transcoder that can convert code back and forth between C++, Python, and Java, just using AI. So obviously there's some crude rule-based things to kind of do this, but they're using AI to make it a lot smoother. Quite a bit of the US's AI supremacy relies on Chinese talent, and many are worried that trade tensions with China will remove that advantage. United has added touchless check-in kiosks around the country, which will be nice if I ever get back to flying. Grammarly has added custom business style guides. Companies grow credit, rebuilds people's credit scores by paying for online subscriptions. And Snowflake has filed for their IPO. Human news, California has banned private prisons and immigration detention centers. Dogs have been trained to detect people who have COVID-19 at a 95% success rate. Around one-third of heterosexual males, American males, aged 18 to 24, reported having no sex in the last year. Researchers said women are preferring men with higher socioeconomic status and that more women have now gone to college, which are two factors affecting the chances of having heterosexual encounters for men. 
according to the research. 24-hour fitness is permanently closing around a quarter of its gyms, including 10 in the Bay Area, although the one that I go to looks like it's staying open. Russia had a major oil spill in the Arctic, and Putin is evidently very upset about how it's being handled. Brazil deforested 10,000 square kilometers of rainforest in 2019, which is a 34% increase over 2018. I really don't have many authoritarian tendencies, but getting the international community to intervene and protect the Amazon is definitely one of them. Ideas, trends, and analysis might be a really good time for companies to move towards zero-trust architectures. No time like the present when everyone is remote, turn everything to zero-trust, not claiming that it's easy, but if there's going to be a time, this might be the time. Gene Spafford was interviewed about digital voting security and came to the same conclusion that I did after attending Enigma probably two years ago. Basically, the conclusion is all the experts agree that it's a bad idea, so it's probably a bad idea. Layoffs are coming, and employers need to do them right. It's a good piece. Updates. I'm in the middle of working on two big presentations right now, and uh, kind of been writing a bit less, but that'll be done in about two weeks. And I'll just have one left, which is in August. So I'll have a whole month to prepare for that one. And I finished the book on complex PTSD, which I thought was really good. It's a really interesting book on psychology. I've never read anything like that before. So it was really interesting. And I just finished Nonviolent Communication as well, which took me forever to read. Like I've been hearing about it for over a decade and I just never got around to it. And now I'm reading Getting to Yes, which is a book about negotiation. And the UL Book Club is meeting on the 28th to have a conversation amongst ourselves about current goings-on, what we've been reading, what's going on in our lives, and we're picking a book for July. So definitely try to be there if you're a member. And Discovery. A project that lets you explore ISS images of Earth for a given location. You just click a location on one of the paths, which they have visualized as well, and it shows you pictures of that location. Create diagrams with code using GraphViz. I'm definitely going to be messing with this, maybe later tonight. Cloud pen testing cheat sheets. The word huh, H-U-H, question mark seems to exist in every language. I posted this link and I thought it was interesting, but doesn't no also exist in every language? And probably yes, maybe not. Using sharp chisel to exfil data from a network. How to talk about your experience and perspective using stories during interviews. All slides from the NOMSEC conference this weekend, including my buddy Jason's session on his Bug Hunters methodology version four, which evidently went really well. So congrats to everyone who presented. How to use a serious camera as your webcam. 
a machine learning field guide, a broad interview with Mark Andreessen about time management, reading, and other topics, a deep dive into fountain pen ink properties, which I'm not 100% done yet with, but it's... Um, feel like I could spend a lifetime studying pens and writing and stationery and paper and typography and everything related to this. Just need more time, more lifetimes. Canary tools, plant triggers all over your network and applications and get notification if anyone trips them. This is definitely one of my favorite sort of guerrilla warfare security tools, especially for environments when you're just getting started or you don't have, you know, great detection and response yet, or even after you do, because it's still high signal data coming at you. Gordon, a tool to check multiple reputation lists based on IP or domain. Baby Shark, a C2 server that uses Google Translate as a proxy. And URL Crazy, a tool to test typo squatting attacks against your own domains. Recommendations Nonviolent Communication. This is the book I talked about earlier in the update section. It's an extraordinary book for conflict resolution. I do think it could have had a better name, though. I spent a lot of years thinking it was about hostage negotiation, so I kind of skipped it, but it's really a lot more universal. And uh, I'm going to be doing a summary on it pretty soon, but definitely recommend it. It's pretty short, too. And the aphorism for the week, life consists of what one thinks of all day long. Life consists of what one thinks of all day long. Ralph Waldo Emerson. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. I believe inserted ads are not just annoying, but that their business model is toxic to content creation. So if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it directly for just $5 a month or $50 a year, which is two months for free. UL members get the newsletter every week instead of just twice a month. They get access to the archives. They get access to the UL Slack community, where we share ideas and links about the topics we discuss here. And they also get access to the UL Book Club, where we pick a book a month and talk about it live as a group. To become a member, just head over to danielmisro.com slash subscribe. And thank you so much to everyone who's already done so. Each of you is participating in the direct model of creator support that is helping this show survive and grow. And I greatly appreciate you. We'll see you next time. Thank you.